0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to this fireside chat where we're going to focus on the recent disruptions to the container supply chains here in the United States and the role that the Federal Maritime Commission, which is uh, charged with regulating container shipping in the U.S. trades, can play and is playing in addressing the situation. My name is John Gallagher. I'm senior editor at Freight Waves, and we're very pleased to have with us today Federal Maritime Commission, Commissioner Carl Bensel. Um, Carl is one of five commissioners at the FMC, uh, including uh, Chairman Michael Curry. Uh Commissioner Bensel, who has an extensive background in transportation policy here in Washington, D.C., was nominated to his position on the board in June of 2020 uh, and began serving on the board in December uh, of last So, welcome, Commissioner Bensel, to Global Supply Chain Week. John, nice to see you. Uh, Nice to talk again. Great, great. So, so I'll get right into the the issues here that are facing FMC. So, um, you know, we've seen these booming imports and the effects of COVID-19 straining container supply chains while causing transportation rates to surge and major port congestion, um, in fact, my, my colleague Greg Miller posted a story just last week with a Coast Guard video. I don't know if you saw it, Carl. It's an overhead video showing this massive buildup of ships outside Los Angeles. It's just um, you know glaring evidence of what's going on. So, so just kind of the first basic question I want to ask you. So, what what is the status of um, any efforts that the FMC and commissioners like yourself separately um, have? Uh, been undertaking to address this problem?
1: Uh, Yeah, John, thanks uh, for referencing it. Uh, I'm representing the views of of myself as an individual commissioner, uh, but uh, there are activities going on, both with respect to the the commission itself. Uh, We have fact-finding 29 going on. It's an investigation into conditions uh, at the ports of LA and New York, primarily, Um, and it really looks at what the impacts of COVID have been uh on the transportation chain the supply chain um and and as you said we went from covid 19 early part of the year where we had reductions of anywhere between 20 and 30% of containerized cargo to uh to a surge you know in, in may june of uh almost the same amount 20 to 30% increases in supply and that's continued um uh so so we're looking at those issues. Uh, I can't really get too much further because uh, uh, we're uh, we're we're still working on it. Uh, uh, we broadened the investigation to uh, to look at uh, the uh, uh, issue of detention and demurrage uh, and the guidelines that the agency issued for compliance with that uh, also on uh, the uh, issue of exports and denial refusals uh, essentially. Uh, uh, in certain instances, uh, allegations have been made uh, to deny export service and also just the levels of equipment uh, uh, and problems that we've had with with respect to that sorry, uh, I
0: mean, I, I, sorry.
1: Uh, so so individually uh, i I, uh, I have been uh, as as all of the commissioners in contact with uh, with carriers with uh, terminals uh, with uh, IEPs, the equipment providers, uh, trucking associations, uh, trying to, to get a, a, a greater uh, gauge on what's going on. So we've made independent uh, out, outreach uh, to talk to the industry and, and get a, a greater sense of what's going on. So that's sort of where we are at, at present.
0: Yeah, I, I understand also, um, Carl, t- uh, today is February 17th that we're recording this, but you'll be meeting yours. Um, the the FMC it was to be meeting today for an, an update I believe on the fact finding investigation in, in looking into these issues including demurrage. can can you inform us um, about what what that update might be?
1: Well, I think it's uh, next steps. I can't really go further because it actually hasn't happened. Uh, Commissioner Dye, who's leading the fact finding, uh, we've spoken, and so she wants to give an update and. Uh, I don't think we're going to consider anything. It's it's more an opportunity to get the latest. Uh, it potentially could lead to, to, uh, to uh, actions. Uh, but I really don't, I can't go much further because it's uh, speculative right now.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Um, now, r- related to this, um, you touched on it a bit, but you, there's been a big issue with exporters, US, U.S. exporters who have been complaining that the container lines have not been holding up their end of the bargain, so to speak, in terms of um, container service that they feel like they should be getting, um, either through excessive rates or failure to, to provide equipment at all. I mean, so, so how how do you f- stand on this and, and what action can the FMC take on, on that particular issue?
1: So uh, first I'd say uh, the issues that are creating the challenge Uh, in part, are are, uh, reductions, I guess, I would say, in the amount of available equipment, containerized uh, containers. Uh, So uh, I am looking uh, closely at the supply of containers. Most containers are are made in in China. uh, And it seems that there was uh, at least a slowdown as a result of COVID. And uh, reductions uh, continue in terms of of the ability to supply what's needed to the market uh, uh, with a big surplus, so there was a, a challenge that was sort of unique. Uh, um, and uh, early on, we got some uh, alle- had some allegations that were made uh, that service was being denied. Um, and, and and you mentioned uh, the question of uh, increased rates and 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 reasonableness. Uh, we have uh, jurisdiction under our prohibited acts. Section to evaluate whether there's unreasonable refusals to deal. Um, so uh, clearly, a denial of service is a violation of the Act, and we can uh, we can uh, take action to investigate that, verify it, and and uh, potentially issue penalties for for noncompliance. Where it gets a little bit trickier is uh, you, you know there's not, this is not an unfettered uh, obligation to provide export service. Uh, it, it's an unreasonable refusal to deal. So so whether or not they're charging more because equipment uh, needs to be repositioned or there are other factors, uh, for instance, the amount of time, uh, free time that they would give on containers to be unloaded in China, um, that's that's much more questionable. It gets into to uh, an evaluation of a very uh, tricky area of law to, to define, and that's what's reasonable and what's unreasonable. Um, But we have authority, uh, clearly, to to challenge any action where a a carrier denies service in the export. Uh, And and Commissioners uh, Maffei and I wrote to the World Shipping Council. Uh, We alerted them that this was uh, an obligation. And I'm not hearing the same sorts of complaints on refusals to deal. And so so it seems to be abating a little bit. Uh, And this this, uh, occurred October, November time frame. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: And it's abating I mean, it, you said.
1: That. I, 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 we're not hearing as many complaints about that. There are complaints about other issues, uh, rate increases, um, you know, just the availability of equipment and, and getting it positioned uh, and other types of uh, complaints, but but not the outright denials of, of service that we heard earlier on uh, as, as the surplus of of cargo and the uh, unavailability of containers started to build up.
0: Gotcha. Um, there. Uh, uh, so related to that regarding, um, you were talking about containers uh, supply. Um, so related to that in the supply chain is, is actual vessel capacity management. Um, so we've seen some of the major container lines like, like Maersk, uh, for example, pull back capacity last year um, in, in terms of uh, space on their on their ships and that, but and now moving that capacity back into place to deal with this um, surge in demand that we've been seeing uh, so but so this can have some serious impacts too though on on the container on container rates that have jumped to unprecedented levels so where where does generally where does the FMC draw the line between the ability of the liner operators to manage their, uh, to match their vessel capacity as they see fit, um, and the and the and the rate and service obligations that they have to the cargo owners and, and the retailers.
1: Well, it's, uh, it's a it's tricky issue. It's it's governed uh, under the terms of the ori- uh, the original uh, space sharing uh, arrangements uh, that have been provided uh, to the uh, FMC uh, that we review and determine whether or not we should take action to enjoin its. Uh, its application. Uh, so there's three alliances, essentially, that uh, operate together. Uh, and those agreements uh, stipulate in the agreement that they have authority to reduce capacity to uh, to address market conditions, essentially. And so the early part of COVID was clearly uh, reductions in uh, substantial volumes, not not really uh, dictated by the carriers themselves or, or the market. And so they took actions to reduce and to cancel blank sailings uh, at that point. And I think that was probably consistent with their authority under the agreements. Uh, the FMC has continuing authority to evaluate the unreasonableness of rates. And so uh, so in taking that action, clearly they sustained uh, market conditions um, and, and pricing. Uh, uh, and what has happened, I think, since that time is uh, there have been substantial uh, rate increases, especially on the spot market, where you're seeing a doubling, in some cases even up to a tripling of certain rates. Uh, So uh, we continue to monitor those um, and evaluate them. We get reports uh, uh, every uh, two weeks, I believe, uh, that uh, give us benchmark uh, pricing uh, rates, and we evaluate all of the outside uh, data that's there so we can take action if it gets to a point where we we determine it's uh, unreasonable. Uh, it's a little challenging, uh, honestly, because uh, uh, eight of the past ten years the carriers didn't make money. Um, uh, uh, so so you're looking at a um, uh, potentially a market correction. Uh, so so we we'll, we'll continue to evaluate those uh, and, and see whether they get to a point where we feel we we would have. Uh, actionable rights to, to challenge them, uh, and so uh, that's where we are now. But they are they're they're high. You know the rates are high.
0: Yeah. Um, the, getting into more of the COVID uh, issues. The, so the, the FMC um, and U.S. ports generally have been pushing for a higher vaccine priority uh, on the waterfront. Could you, could you provide an update? On where things stand with that, Commissioner?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I think one thing that has occurred uh, since uh, since COVID nineteen is, uh, if, in my view, a recognition on the extreme value of of uh, the supply chain, uh, maritime containerized shipping, and uh, and the intermodal assets, the trucking, the rail, the longshoremen, uh, uh, the shippers, uh, the the uh, freight forwarders that contribute to the movement of that cargo. So you've seen aviation, for instance, uh, with reductions of up to 50 percent and cruise ships uh, being totally canceled. But if you look at containerized shipping, in fact, uh, it's been a market that has sustained throughout this year despite substantial uh, economic disruption. Uh, and so really, it's it's been that which has has sustained sustained our ability to operate both with provision of uh, uh, PPE and e-commerce and things that we need to, to work from home and adjust to COVID. So uh, the end of the year last year was a little bit lower, but not that much lower than the previous year. And it really shows uh, how reliant we are on this aspect of our, our transportation chain. And uh, I, I, I feel that has to be recognized. We need to take steps to protect that. Going forward to make sure. Uh, so, uh, so both Commissioner Maffei and I uh, wrote uh, to Congress. Uh, we've I've worked on some op-eds, uh, and and the issue of how to uh, provide vaccinations and equipment is largely left at the state level. Um, but uh, we're trying to emphasize the need to protect this aspect of our economy and our ability to respond. Uh, uh to to ensure that they're getting uh, some priority i'm, I'm not going to question that uh, nursing homes and and healthcare workers uh, shouldn't have priority but below them by not too much in my view is the transportation sector that continues to provide the supplies that we rely on so we are there was a, an amendment in congress uh to expand a sort of priority for uh, maritime it's still pending. They're still doing the Budget Reconciliation Act, and so I'm not uh, clear where they are legislatively. Uh, but again, there are resources at the state level, and hopefully uh, at that level, they'll get some recognition, the industry, about the, the vital role they
0: play in, in supplying. Were, were you referring to the, the uh, Maritime Transportation System Emergency Relief Program? <laughs> that's right. So that's yeah. uh,
1: the Legislation that's been passed it hasn't been funded yet. So It hasn't been funded. I, but I,
0: I understand though that the there was an amendment in the this recent COVID nineteen relief bill to fund it that did not go through um, as part of the relief package. So is that I, so?
1: It, so so yeah, that's what I had heard as well. I sort of surprised, but it seemed that most of the amendments were uh, defeated uh, on the bill on the House side. So. Uh, it's a long way to go, and hopefully they'll get some recognition. Uh, and even even if uh, if the amendment doesn't uh, doesn't pass, there's ways that Congress can direct attention to uh, to this area. So hopefully something will emerge as they go through the process of finalizing legislation.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Um, actually, if, if we could turn turn uh, uh, briefly to to something that's been happening here this week. Um, I, again, when this airs it things might be uh, better smoothed out, but we've been re- we've been reporting on this freezing weather that has hit much of the southern and midwestern ports um, uh, or I'm sorry parts of the country this week, um, which is affecting um intermodal the the container intermodal supply chain, mo- uh, mo- most directly the railroads intermodal network. i mean, how, how could you uh, uh, uh touch on commissioner, how that how something an event like this could 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 um uh, exacerbate what's already going on with the disruptions and in the uh, sure.
1: Yeah, uh, so so we have seen as a result of uh, deviation of uh, uh, of uh, a need to deviate from the L.A. Long Beach port uh, just because the volumes are building up. And you referenced uh, Greg Miller's uh, shots from the Coast Guard, which are truly spectacular. I urge anyone that hasn't seen that to, to, to go to your uh, site and, and, and look at it because it, it shows so much. Uh, but uh, there's been some deviation as a result of that. that I think the carriers and, and the shippers are looking about uh, rerouting cargo. They've looked to the Pacific Northwest. There's options in Savannah and Charleston. And so you're seeing some increases in that. So uh, there's a natural movement there just to help relieve some of the pressure in LA Long Beach at present. And so something like this. Um, and I, I was recently in Savannah and Charleston uh, late late last year, and both are investing substantial resources in uh, connecting to railroad intermodal services. Uh, uh, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in, in, in investment. And so they're aggressively working to expand their market into the interior using rail investment. And so something like this. Uh, slows things down, and it contributes to, to continued to sort of uh, uh, challenges on the West Coast.
0: Right, right. Um, also, th- another issue, if I, if I could, while we have you here, Commissioner, uh, there's an, there, uh, there's been this recent spate of containers falling off container ships. Um, I know that happens occasionally, but uh, it's <laughs> there's been uh, qu- quite an uptick um, in the last several months Um, how can, how concerning is that to you? And uh, what what can the FMC, is the FMC looking at anything on that, on that front? And is there, what can the FMC do, if anything on that?
1: Well, it's more of an issue, uh, in terms of safety. It's a Coast Guard issue. Uh, however, uh, we, we did, we have authority, for instance, on cargo misdeclaration. Uh, so that's a violation of our statute. So we can look at issues where someone has intentionally been, uh, uh labeling cargo to get a, a better rate, for instance, so if this contributed to stability or issues related to stowage, uh, it could be something that we look at but but frankly it's more of a, a coast guard safety uh, angle. Um, but uh, I will say uh, it 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 affects the whole industry and uh, the the challenges that we have when a ship loses a substantial amount of cargo. Is uh, is massive because these are sharing containers, and so there's a economic dislocation that's uh, substantial, and so it affects more than just uh, one particular carrier. So,
0: right, right, yeah, no, thank you for clar- uh, providing kind of that that background and clarification. That's a more of a safety issue than a uh, uh, an economic issue that that you guys regulate, um, and. So, just lastly, before uh, we, we wrap up, Commissioner, um, can you—President uh, uh, Biden has been uh, populating the administration with appointees in a part, cabinet uh, positions and, and through that, throughout the federal agencies. Can you provide any update um, as to when we might see the Biden administration's appointee to the federal—to um, head the Federal Maritime Commission?
1: I can't really provide too much. Uh, we have met with the transition team. All of the commissioners met with the transition team. Uh, and so we talked about uh, our agency, the functions that we're doing, what we're working on. Um, and so there's some meeting at, th- at that. I'm sure that uh, we're a little bit further down the line from uh, you know the uh, secretarial positions and uh, the uh, agencies. We are an independent agency. Uh, the president is authorized to appoint a chairman. So I expect we'll get something at some point in the near future, but uh, no no new information that I could uh, share on that one.
0: Sure. Sure. No, appreciate it. Um, okay. Well, with that, I, I think we're going to have to wrap up. Um, I'd like to thank you once again, Commissioner Benzel, for taking the time uh, out of your busy schedule to, to uh, be with us today and give us your uh, regulatory perspective on uh, U.S. supply chains. John, it's always a pleasure to speak. And thank you, everyone, for joining us. And stay tuned for the next panel.